Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 48, part two of Mary Hardiman's talk, The Power of God's Word in Our Lives. I want to tell you about a spiritual hurricane I once had, a time when I felt torn and shattered in my life of faith. And I have to admit, it was entirely of my own making. But it started in 2011, and it lasted for about two years. I was working at this lovely Catholic high school with the funny boys I mentioned at the start, and I was there 15 years altogether. I'd been there about 13 years when this started. So by that point, I was very well established. And I was going nowhere. I had no desire to leave that school. And I was ready to see out my teaching days there. And then somehow, I felt that I was going to have to leave that school and go elsewhere. But I had no idea where God wanted me to be. I had no idea that he was doing a new thing for me. Do you not perceive it? No, I didn't. I was experiencing a sense of restlessness and lots of things were happening that made me feel inadequate at work. But I really, really didn't want to go. And job hunting became a futile activity and I got so mad with God. There was a kind of hurricane going on inside me that was affecting every aspect of my life and nowhere more so than my prayer life. So prior to this, if you'd have asked me what my prayer life was like, I would have said, well, it's highly satisfactory, thank you very much. (laughs) I'd come down in the morning, I'd open my missile, I'd go through the readings for the day, and then I would spend some time happily reflecting on how I was one of the 99 sheep who stayed put on the hillside, (laughs) simultaneously building my house on rock whilst yielding a harvest of a hundredfold with my five talents. (laughs) I'm not a whiff of hypocrisy. Look, can you see a broad phylactery or a long tassel? No, and neither could I, because I, I was on Team Jesus. I was out there on the mountain, ready to do whatever the Lord asked. And what happened during this spiritual hurricane was that I'd stomp downstairs in the morning, fling myself on the settee without even bothering to get the missile off the shelf, because that was a waste of time. And then I'd just go on this rant at God. Now, I'm going to give you a warning, because what I'm about to say, it may sound sarcastic and irreverent and disrespectful, but it was authentic. And we're always told, aren't we, that we have to come before God just as we are. So I did. (laughs) And what I was was angry. So it went something like this. Look, God, what do you want? You see, it's all well and good for you up there on your cloud, stroking your beard and welcoming sinners into eternity. And I know it only took six days and it was ages ago, so you've probably forgotten. But this earth you created, I still live on it. And in case you haven't noticed, God, we're in the middle of a recession. And nobody, I mean nobody with a modicum of common sense, leaves a secure, well-paid job with nothing to go to. So you might be omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But if you imagine, God, for one minute that I can do this, and you're going to have a rethink, because I don't want to be on your team anymore. So there. And a new thing was absolutely the last thing I wanted. Back to Elijah. After the hurricane came an earthquake. How long between the two? Minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years? 
We don't know, do we? But we have all of us seen on our TV screens the effects of an earthquake and the absolute devastation they cause to lives and property and to the landscape. I'm surprised there was a mountain left for Elijah to stand on. God's not in the earthquake, so where is he? My spiritual hurricane somehow morphed into a spiritual earthquake. I felt rattled and shaken, uncertain and angry and really afraid. I'd lost God, you see. I'd lost his security and his certainty. So what did I do? Well, I went on a guided prayer week and it was, that was being run in our parish at the time. And I wasn't sure if I was a mountain or Muhammad, but either way, I thought, I'll go and look for God and I'm bound to find him you know, in my own strength. And during this guided prayer week, I had to go and meet my prayer guide every evening. Her name was Eve, and she was fab. And for three of the evenings, she gave me a passage of scripture, which I had to read imaginatively, as if I were one of the characters. And I'd like to share with you what I experienced during those three evenings of prayer. On the first evening, I got the story of Martha and Mary. You know, when Martha's distracted by all the serving whilst Mary's sitting at the feet of the Lord having a nice time. And in the story, I I was Martha. I often think my parents gave me the wrong name at birth, but anyway. So in this story, I was Martha. And I was in the backyard crying. And I was crying not so much because Mary wouldn't help me, but more so because the disciples, when they'd come in, had kicked the shoes off all over the hall that I'd got up at the crack of dawn and swept that morning. (laughs) And there were shoes everywhere, and I nearly tripped up over one of them when I came in with a tray of food. And I was absolutely furious. And so I went out in the backyard, and as I say, I was crying, and Jesus came out to me. He came out, and he stood by my side, just there. And he said to me, you worry and fret about so many things. I thought, you're not kidding. And on the second, <coughs> on the second evening, <coughs> excuse me, I was Mary, I got my name back on the second evening. I was Mary at the Annunciation. And the angel Gabriel came in and sat next to me and stayed for a long time, answering all my questions again and again and gently explaining with infinitesimal patience how I was going to bring Christ into the world. And on the third evening, I was a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 15 years and who was healed when she touched the hem of Jesus' cloak. And on my way to find Jesus, I'd been spat at because somebody had recognised me as being unclean. And as I approached the Lord, somebody deliberately put the foot out and tripped me up and I went sprawling at Jesus' feet and grabbed his cloak on the way down. And as I lay there in the dust and gravel, I heard Jesus speak and then he crouched down and he put his hands out to me and helped me to my feet and I couldn't look at him. I had my head bowed down. I was so ashamed I couldn't look at him and Jesus just put his fingers under my chin and just gently lifted my face so that I could gaze into those eyes of love. And after these three evenings, I said to Eve, you know, Eve, I said, it's all well and good having these profound spiritual experiences, but I don't know where God is in my life. And do you know what Eve said to me? She said, Mary, 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 
couldn't see, see, I was blinded and deafened to the voice of God by the earthquake and the hurricane that was going on inside me. I was resisting this new thing that God was doing for me. Do you not perceive it? No, I didn't. After the earthquake came a fire. We've all seen fire. Just think about Grenfell Towers. We've all heard its crackle. We've felt its heat. And we all know the dangers of fire and what it can do. How was that fire on the mountain put out? How much damage did it do to the landscape? Trees, plants, all burnt and charred. All the wildlife gone. What was left for Elijah? How much more could he take? God's not in the fire. Where is he? I battled that fire with God for a long time, swinging from fury to sadness to despair. You know, what I was telling you earlier about how I spoke to God when I was being sarcastic, well, I'd not even warmed up at that point. (laughs) I'm I'm sure you'd all be very non-judgmental, but I can't really share any of the other stuff I said for two reasons. (laughs) One, we're nowhere near the 9pm watershed. And second, this talk's been recorded and I don't want poor old Archie and Cathy having to go into editing overdrive, so I'm just going to leave that to your imagination. But I used to feel that God had this really beautiful picture that was my future, but that he'd stuck a dirty, great big sticking plaster over it and I used to just beg him, will you just peel back a little corner and let me see? But God's sneaky. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Have you noticed? God is really, really sneaky. Because if he'd shown me that picture, and if he'd said to me, okay, Mary, well, two years hence, you'd be teaching three subjects you've never taught before to teenagers with mental health problems. You'll be on a counselling course. And for your placement work, you'll be working with adults who are misusing drugs and alcohol. And in your free time, you're going to be using your considerable letter-writing skills to correspond with two men on death row in America. If God had said any of that to me, I'd have run a mile. In fact, I would have been on TripAdvisor going, (laughs) where can I find an extended break in a remote mountain cave by chariot? (laughs) No new thing for me, thanks very much. After the fire, there came the sound of a gentle breeze. And when Elijah heard this, he covered his face with his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. A number of months after this guided prayer week, I was in my classroom 
This time the room was full. I had a, a top set GCSE German group in there that was teaching. And I can't remember what the children were doing, but they were working in silence. And I was standing at the front of the classroom and I was looking at them and I was marvelling on what a lovely group of teenagers they were. They were kind to me and they were kind to one another. They were hardworking and enthusiastic. And I was reflecting on how blessed I was to be their teacher and how I really, really loved my job. And a little quiet voice popped into my head and it said, Mary, do you love me more than these? I said, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Came again, Mary, do you love me more than these? And I said, do you mean, do I love you more than I love these? And God said, yes. What could I say? What could I say to that question? What would you say? You see, for all my ranting and raving at God, there was only ever, ever going to be one answer I could give. It was a borrowed answer, a plagiarised answer, but it just seemed so perfect for the occasion. In the words of St Peter, I said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. God is a master life coach, the master life coach. He knew what new thing he had planned for me. And he knew at what point he was going to put a girdle around my waist and take me somewhere I didn't think I wanted to go, to bring Christ into my world. But first, he waited so patiently for my fiat for my surrender, for my yes to him who holds my life in the palm of his great, big, gracious and loving hand. I gave my yes that day, I gave it grudgingly and I gave it with a heavy heart, but I gave it all the same because as any professional religious or clergy will tell you, there's no room for a backseat driver when God's at the wheel. In May 2013, I handed in my notice with no job to go to and no prospect of getting one. Now look at the generosity of God. By July of the same year, I'd been offered four teaching posts without applying for a single one of them. I think that what Jesus was saying to me was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, yes, all these things will be added unto you. And my response, Lord, your word is a lamp for my step and a light unto my path. You see how the words of these previous Celebrate conferences have rung true in my life. I taught three subjects I'd never taught before for a further four years, a unit for children with mental health problems. I now counsel those children through their social and emotional difficulties. I also counsel adults in recovery from addiction. I write to three men now, two of whom are Christians, on death row in America. 
I never, ever thought I could do any of those things. They were jobs for other people, not me. See, I'm doing a new thing, and it's a wonderful new thing, and if that's not amazing grace, then I don't know what is. After the fire, there came the sound of a gentle breeze, and when Elijah heard this, he covered his face with his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Here he comes. Here he is, our creator God. He comes not in a bicep-curling, testosterone-fueled show of power and strength, but on a gentle breeze. Did you hear that? On a gentle breeze. With a tenderness, a generosity, a forgiveness, a compassion, and an understanding that's beyond our comprehension. And what does Elijah do? He covers his face. He covers his face because he knows who he is, where he is, and in whose presence he's standing. Be still and know that I am God. Now I get it. Now I understand. It's the same thing. Cover your face, Elijah. Take off your shoes, Moses, because this ground, which is torn and shattered and smashed, this ground, which is burnt and charred, this unrecognisable ground is holy ground. It's the holy ground of broken humanity and God invites you and he invites me to walk on it with him, side by side, hand in hand, step by faltering step and to transform it into something new and beautiful and tranquil and victorious not in our power but in the power of that thing we call agape that pure selfless love of God working in us and through us not in our strength but in the strength of him who holds the life of each person in this room and beyond in the palm of his great big loving and gracious hand. Years later, Elijah returns with Moses to a different mountain to be present at the transfiguration of our blessed Lord to show us that death is not the end. We see Jesus now in the simple form of a wafer of broken bread. But don't ever be fooled by Christ's appearance on the altar, which in no way diminishes his power to heal and transform. Isn't that amazing grace? Elijah is a father of Eucharistic adoration. He's withstood the forces of nature, the hardships, the persecution... And he's met God in this beautiful and unique encounter. Elijah has waited and waited, hanging on in faith by his fingernails. So when you feel battered by the storms of your life, when you're maybe resisting this new thing that God wants to do for you, when you feel lonely or abandoned or afraid or threatened, when you're wondering where on earth God has got to, And when, despite it all, you still retreat to wherever it is you go to find him, 
Remember that you're standing on the shoulders of this great and powerful prophet. Remember that this man was once afraid too. Remember that Elijah went to rediscover God in a lonely place. Remember that God tested him like gold in the furnace and did not find him wanting. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. I'm going to finish speaking in a few moments, but before I do, I want to thank you for being such a kind and attentive audience this morning. And may I also remind you that once my talk is over, that we just maintain this beautiful silence that we've created as we go into our time of adoration. So please, just give your thanks to God in your heart, because it was always his anyway. I want to end with a a prayer by a modern-day female prophet called Edwina Gately. Edwina writes this. Silent God, empty, soundless, like the long dark nights without life. I wait, gently hoping for your touch, which says, I'm here. But the void remains unfilled. Silent God, why do you hide your face from me? Why withhold your breath, which kindles life? Why, God, silent God, do you watch your loved one, alone and waiting, yet not reach out to only whisper, I am here? Yet, I will wait, and I will watch, and in my mind's eye, soaring deep from my soul, I will see, and I will know, you are here. Amen. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximize your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless 
and stay safe.